Happy full moon. Today you'll hear me talking with Alyssa Polizzi, dream worker, coach, and host of the Golden Shadow podcast. She and I each have an aha moment during this conversation when we reflect on each other's dreams. So for you who love those example dream work moments, listen for that. I really enjoyed where our conversation went, especially a little further in when we got into Alyssa's dream series that includes recurring wolves, dogs, and bears, and a couple of recent dreams of mine involving hiding and fire. We cover a lot of territory in this conversation, and I think you'll really enjoy hearing Alyssa's perspective on the psyche. I'll play the whole thing for you here in a moment. I want to make sure you know that I have a free guide I'd love to share with you about how the five elements are speaking in your dreams. According to the wisdom of classical Chinese medicine and traditional Taoist philosophy. So, for example, fire can show up in our dreams as fire itself, the color red, the season of summer, a movement in the direction of up and out, and so on. And when fire shows up, that can reflect our physical health in our heart or small intestine networks, or it might reflect what's going on with our spoken communication. And the resonance of these symbol networks goes on and on. So if you want to learn more about that, visit thedreamersden.org slash open, and I will send you the PDF. And now, episode 21. You're listening to the Dreamers Den podcast. I'm your host, Leilani Navar. I'm here along with guest dream workers, authors, and teachers to talk about diving deep into your dreams. We're skipping the small talk and going for conversations about what matters most to us, what's touching us so deeply that it shows up in our dreams, in one form or another. We talk about engaging with dreams to experience insight, inspiration, healing, and meaningful connection with one another. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can catch all these conversations. Visit thedreamersden.org slash open for a free video and mini book I put together to help you learn more about opening up or deepening your own relationship with your dreams. My guest today is Alyssa Polizzi. She's an educator and a coach who specializes in guiding others on the path to understand and develop their innate potential by uniting conscious awareness to the deeper levels of their psyche and their life experiences. She co-runs The Golden Shadow, a podcast and community focused on shadow work, psychology, philosophy, and collective self-help. Welcome, Alyssa. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'd love to ask you first how you realized that dreams really mattered to you. Mm, It's a good question. And if I'm being honest, I think in some ways I've always felt that they're important. There's, there's been this sense from the time I was a very young child that dreams held a kind of potency and life energy to them. And I've always paid attention to them. I think in recent years, I've developed a a deeper practice to analyzing them and integrating the, the messages and insights that come through. But I've really, uh, I've always had this deep interest and really always felt that what comes through in dreams is deeply meaningful. Hmm. Do you remember as a kid ever being able to share that sense with anyone or times when you were able to share your dreams? I had a recurring dream. Um, I think something I kind of have heard from other clients or people that I've talked to, but especially um, at a young age, there being some recurring dreams that have really stuck with you throughout, um, throughout your life into adulthood. And there was one that I had that was extremely intense and sort of nightmarish where I would be running through my backyard of my old childhood home. And there was this kind of like vampiric figure chasing after me. And I had that Uh, that dream going on for a couple of years. And it sounds quite frightening. And I think at the time it certainly was, but it, it, I think it really tapped into certain just dynamics of growth and tension of, 
of, ma of maturing and those stressors that you can't always process in the waking world, especially as a younger child, when you just don't really have the cognitive development or the words to put to it. But I felt like a lot of that, that energy and that tension came through in my dreams. And I, I recall in terms of being able to really share that with someone, not necessarily speaking about that specific dream, but a kind of progression that I had sometimes after coming out of those nightmares were having these almost hypnagogic stakes of being kind of asleep, kind of awake and still sort of seeing imagery as I woke up. And I spoke to my grandma about it, who was, um, she was an immigrant and very uh, devoutly religious. And she taught me to pray at a very young age to sort of ease between that space of waking up and feeling sort of frightened and then kind of coming back to myself. And it was a really sort of interesting meditative practice, I think, on those dream images that started at a young age and allowed me to sit with them and not just throw them aside, to kind of hold on to them and maybe to break a little bit of that sense of fear or anxiety. So I think that's so, sort of the early stages of really starting to interact with my dreams. Mm. That's really beautiful. I have never heard that response from a parent or a grandparent, like teaching a child to pray, but also to stay with it. Like it wasn't like she told you, oh, forget about that. It's just a dream. Pray instead. It was still mm -hmm. with it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think Partly there's kind of bringing in some of that historical information of her being an immigrant was not always being able to communicate to me in, in a lot of depth. Uh, she spoke English, but very broken English. Um, my grandma was from Sicily, so we're Italian. And I think she always tried to bring in a sense of insider wisdom or knowledge or sharing of what she could. And I think for her, these spiritual practices that she had was that kind of guiding light through times of joy, but also times of sadness or strife. And and it became this practice that I would do after waking up from those, you know, scary dreams that really brought me back to myself and, and allowed me to, as I said, sort of sit with what was happening rather than continue to uh, create a relationship of fear and anxiety to my dreams. Because even despite these really intense dreams for, uh, for having those for some time, it didn't instill a sense of uh, distance or, or fear of the dreamscape. If anything, I feel like it continued to deepen my curiosity of it. Mm -hmm. Wow. So have you had many clients who've maybe shared a similar experience where they're having a dream that does have a lot of anxiety or fear in it and yeah, then guide yeah. them through this kind of relating? I think that um, first and foremost, there's yeah a whole range of these types of dreams that we experience from kind of being back at school and feeling like we we're not prepared for that test or we're going to work and relate or we realize we've forgotten certain things to like that extreme of like feeling life, our life is threatened in the dream, a sense of aggression and violence. And I see all of those kind of dynamics coming through in the dreamscape. And my approach really with working with any of these types of dreams is just to first and foremost, take in as much of that information as possible and record it in a way that captures um, the details, the feeling tones, the emotions that came up, the symbols without trying to apply too much uh, meaning to it to try to understand it right away, just to, as much of that pure dream material that can be captured, because it's very easy for us to just jump into judging it, assigning it meaning, um, trying to make sense of it. The framework really of the work that I do with my clients is on self-development and inner inquiry and really diving into the depths of the unconscious realm. And that naturally stirs up so much different emotional material within us. And when I, I believe when an individual is really starting to do that deep inner work, you start to see this kind of energy coming through in the dreams when we are touching um, that kind of emotional intensity inside of ourselves and the, the shadowy figures, the threatening figures start to come through and shift the tone of the dream, sometimes rather dramatically. Just to say what I've noticed is that it's not like a nightmare stress dream from the get-go. Mm -hmm. One thing I've noticed is that shift in tone 
and how sudden it can be when the threatening figure comes in or when the dreamer has really kind of tapped into an aspect of their psyche that is feeling like it wants to continue to stay in the shadows. And that's that's been really compelling for me recently because I think it shows both the desire of, of our ego, of our consciousness to want to continue to explore these new developments. But as you touch upon that darker, unseen, repressed material, suddenly it transforms. Suddenly the dream becomes more threatening. Things start to go wrong. A haunting figure comes in. You're being chased by an animal, all different things like that. And so that real shift in tone to me is extremely compelling to look at what was happening in the dream before the shift happened? What were you engaging in? Or what was the trigger point when things changed? And when I've mapped that out, in interpretation with my clients, what we've noticed is a lot of the area that they're trying to work on, such as being more creative um, and then starting to do that in a dream, suddenly some aspect of the psyche starts to fight back. Mm -hmm. And that's where you start to see that natural relationship between the, the dynamics inside of us that are still needing understanding and integration really coming out in this way that feels threatening. That's great. That feels like a really, um, beautiful kind of overview of what's happening and also a really practical mm -hmm. tip. You know, if someone's yeah. seeing this threatening figure, not just to dive into, well, who is that and why are they yeah. here and mm. what, what's it feel like when they chase me, but what happened right before that? What sort of, mm -hmm. you know, led this to arise? What transitioned yeah. us into that threatening space? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do think we do, we do see like dreams that from the get-go seem to carry that heavy tone of nightmare quality or stress dream, things like that. But when you see that nuance of dreams that really shift in tone, that is compelling. That's very uh, potent insight for what we can work with in conscious reality. And I, I think the same goes for if the dream felt really intense and scary and threatening and stressful, and then it shifted in tone to something a little bit lighter, what happened there as well? Because there might have been a shift in relationship to that shadow material that uh, that could be taken out of the dreamscape and really applied to conscious life because there, there's some insight there as well. Yeah. Do you have any dream examples in mind that have a transition like that? Yeah. This comes from my own dream series where I was tracking over time some very particular symbols um, around animals. And in these dreams, I when I first started having them, there were these wolves and kind of huskies. So very like, kind of uh, powerful, instinctual animal for me coming through. And I was tracking over several months, the entrance of these wolves and dogs coming into my dreams in these different ways. And then there was an entrance of another animal, a bear that came in at the same time. And these dreams felt very connected, both in tone, in symbol, but one of the most recent ones that I had, had that really big shift in tone where I had been hiking up a mountain trail with a small group of people. And the trek itself felt really strenuous, but extremely invigorating. Um, so I was really excited to be up on the mountain. I had this goal of getting to the top. And then suddenly I hear this rush of noise and there's this pack of wolves that are running behind us, which seems really scary. Um, but I felt a sense of um, this enlivening energy. Anytime I see wolves or, or dogs, it tends to feel like this really sort of sacred instinctual part of me that I connect to. And so I see the wolves and they're running and there's this feeling of energy and movement and excitement of continuing to, uh, to climb up that trail, up the mountain and people in my party seem sort of frightened. And I'm saying, it's okay. Just let the wolves smell you stay calm, try not to run. And then suddenly the dream takes a big shift and there's a large bear at the top of the trail. And then suddenly I feel stressed. I feel fearful. It kind of went from my uh, companions being a little un, uh, nervous and unnerved about the wolves to me feeling extremely frightened by the entrance of this bear. And I start to run and I'm climbing through trees and I'm running from branch to branch and I'm giving chase and the bear is coming after me. Um, 
And so there was this really interesting shift in tone. And to me, part of my work of trying to understand this dream is what does the bear represent for me? What is going on in my unconscious life, but also my waking life that's being represented by this dynamic? Because you have two wild animals that theoretically speaking, if you saw them, you know, in, in, in nature, you'd be frightened if you saw a bear or a wolf, but to me, there's, there's a difference. And, Mm -hmm. and I, and I needed to kind of hone in on what this symbol was because the tone changed so drastically and it had been a sense of uh, potential and, and climbing up that mountain, which is a, a very interesting symbol, I think of like just self-development and individuation and the spiritual path, uh, the constant, uh, ascension that we're all working towards. And, and then there's this bear and the bear itself was something that I have, have grappled with that has come up in other dream symbols for me. I'm still really sitting with it, trying to figure out what it is, but you know, it, it's about figuring out, figuring out the dynamic of, why is it that I went from feeling calm and connected to the animals and to my party to feeling fearful? Mm-hmm. And and, I, and you can think about a further insight into figuring that out as like the bear suddenly blocked the path. That was my way up. And suddenly there was a, a block there. There was a hazard. And how does that reflect different dynamics in my life where there might be some deeper um, energies that are coming up and blocking my path forward? What might I need to face that feels scary and overwhelming? Um, that does it relate to being uh, around other people? Does it relate to my own self-development? All those kind of questions that really start to help unpack why there was such a big shift in tone with that dream. Yeah. I want to come back to this idea of the dream series and that you'd been seeing the bear. Um, but one thing also jumps out to me about what you just shared. It, is it all right if I share a reflection on the Yes, the dream? please. I noticed that right before the bear appears, so if this were my dream and I'm imagining myself in it, I'm telling everyone not to be scared and to just let the wolves smell us. And if the wolves are kind of this wild, free potential, like I wonder if maybe that is scary and it's Mm. in telling parts of myself not to be afraid of it, that something gets bigger and scarier. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's great insight because it's, you're tapping into that important aspect of dream interpretation. When we look at all the figures and parts of the dream as aspects of ourself. And so as I'm communicating to uh, other parts of myself to stay calm and let those things just, you know, roam around us and that sense of freedom and openness, there is that other part that wants to come up and say, you know, I'm not ready for that, or we can't move forward actually. And I think that that is definitely an interesting tension. Maybe that many of us really face, which is as we continue to push ourselves and expand, there is both a sense of excitement and desire, you know, I'm wanting to go up that mountain, but at the same time, so much innate fear or, um, sort of uncertainty that comes along with it and how does that come into play in our lives, but also in our dreams. So yeah, that, that's a really nice um, addition to trying to understand uh, what's really happening there with the dream series. Cause there has been a feeling of the bear coming in being both a potential, but also um, an aspect that feels threatening and uncertain for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really relate to that. Like any new potential, as exciting as it might be, also means change and change also means loss. And so, yeah. you know, feelings of fear or grief even, yes, I think absolutely. come up with, with big changes, even if we really want them. Mm, yes, absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of those cycles of, of death and rebirth that we go through sort of psychologically, spiritually, and we recognize that change can't happen without that sense of loss, without that symbolic nature of death kind of coming in, but it, it expands and gives us space for new life to emerge and kind of transitioning between those uh, different areas of life can be quite difficult, but are necessary really for our development. Yes. Yeah. Well said. Do you want to share any more about the the bear and the series, kind of how you recognized that that was a series? I mean, did these dreams happen all in a row or? 
No, they they were they were pretty spread apart. Um, some of the the earlier dreams having the wolves um, came early in 2020. And I mean, if I'm being honest, I think even just the the wolves or dogs that seem very similar to wolves like huskies have been present in my dream for quite a long time. And so animals play a really big part of my dreams in general, kind of, of, of the repository of dream symbols that my unconscious is drawing from. Animals tend to be very potent symbols for me. And uh, so early, yeah, early last year is when I really started to notice a sense of a particular series taking hold. And there was both the uh, the pattern of seeing these animals coming through, but also a particular theme to the dream, a particular feeling tone. And I think that's what's interesting about dream series. As we start to record our dreams daily and then reflect back on them, we might notice these threads of continuity that are connected through ways that are both um, quite obvious, um, but also a little bit more implicit as well. And these dreams with, with the bear, um, I felt were really connected to an earlier dream I had had in 2020 around, um, a walking down my street where I lived in my hometown. And I was, um, with three animals, two of them were like these very large wolves. And one was a smaller third dog that seemed to be wounded or malformed in some way. And, and we're going down the street and then suddenly there's this big shadowy figure that's in front of us and threatening. And this doesn't often happen for me, but I came, I became very lucid in the dream and realized that I was dreaming and that I could turn around and interact with this entity that had been chasing me. So I stop and I turn around and I kind of ask this formless entity, what does it want of me? But it didn't answer. Mm. And I kind of demanded a reply. It's like, what do you want? Or, you know, what do you represent? And it didn't give me one, which I find fascinating because uh-huh. um, <laughs> I, I don't have a, I would love to hear maybe more of your insight on lucidity and dreams. And I think it's certainly a practice and a skill that people can develop, but I liked that there still seemed to be a sense of autonomy of the unconscious yeah. and the symbols and that it, it wasn't ready to, to let me know what it represented. The mystery continued. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love that. I think that happens. I've heard other examples like that of becoming lucid and, you know, sort of realizing, oh, I'm dreaming. Who are you? Or what is this? Or maybe I'll try to change that and getting mm-hmm. this response from the dream characters like, oh no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it this is not, this is not where you come and, you know, get to uh consciously decide yeah. what's happening. Yes. Um Personally, I have not gotten really into lucid dreaming. I've mm. just had a few spontaneous lucid dreams in my life. Mm. And um, I don't feel particularly drawn to seek it out yeah. as a practice. Yeah. I appreciate that mystery and that feeling that something's coming for, to me and for me that I don't have conscious mm. control over, that I can't exert my will on, you know? And I know that's not all that lucid dreaming is about, mm, but yeah. I think I, I just love so much the receptiveness yes. of my dream time that, yeah, I haven't gone mm. into that. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's funny because being pretty involved in dreams, both personally and professionally, you I do get those questions a lot. And I think there's so much more kind of excitement and uh, a kind of attractiveness to lucid dreaming in terms of when people are first getting into dreams at all, they want to know how to lucid dream because it feels so adventurous and there's so much potential. But I really do kind of take, I think, a, a, a quite classical approach in my dream work, which is that I would rather allow the unconscious images in the dream world to express itself without exercising too much control. And I kind of dabble in that sense of lucidity by practicing active imagination which is really kind of that dreaming the dream forward in conscious waking state in a more meditative style, holding the dream image in your mind and allowing um, 
it to evolve and not to hold on to it too much. So I try to practice more of that um, through active imagination and allowing the dream to be more of just a place of, as you said, receptivity, because what comes up in, in that realm is things I just could never imagine and provide mm-hmm. so much content and depth for me to explore. Yeah. I do that as well, the active imagination. And even in that, sometimes it'll be similar to what you described there, where, you know, I turn to the figure and ask a question and there isn't an answer, you know, and and maybe that is the answer, you know, is that this is, this is unknown. This is mysterious and yeah, going to stay that way. Yeah. But, but go on, go on about the the dream. I didn't want to sidetrack us too far. Yeah. Um, so the dream series started to really pick up this tone in early of 2020. And then there felt like an evolution in June of that year, where I had this dream that I was walking through a forest with a small group of individuals. And I come upon a dead bear on the path ahead. And everyone in the group seems quite worried and frightened, but I feel extremely curious. And I walk over to the bear and I, it sounds kind of crude, but it wasn't like bloody or anything, but I begin removing its hide. And I feel this type of reverence and deep respect and awe for what's happening. And as I finish removing the, the pelt of the bear, it kind of becomes this wearable coat and I put it on and the dream sort of closes out right there. And that's quite different than that dream I had earlier in the year with the dogs, but, uh, there was this feeling of connection because I had not had a striking animal dream until that point. And so that to me created some of that conscious connection to that previous dream. And that was the first time I had seen a bear in my dream that I can think of at all. And in that, that image of the bear, which is Uh, an animal that I do like, but don't necessarily have that strong of a connection to became this very, um, very curious, very um, kind of mysterious symbol. I was trying to look into um, some more mythological amplifications or cultural amplifications as I didn't have as much personal relationship to the dream symbol of the bear. And I started finding some interesting information about um, the kind of uh, certain cults in in ancient Greece, the Artemisian cults, where these um, young Athenian girls would wear bearskins and dance in the forest, and it kind of helped them tap into their own fierce nature and learning about the kind of feminine mysteries. And there's also the the kind of classic berserkers of Odin who wore bears. And so there's this interesting connection of of development and and sort of instinctual potential of both tapping into the feminine depth, but also of tapping into one's um, ferociousness and power and life force and energy. And that felt really interesting to me because I think to bring back to your earlier point, when we first talked about the bear dream, I think a lot of what I'm trying to expand into in my own personal life is this kind of claiming of personal authority and power um, and identity that does at times feel threatening or difficult because you've really got to face some of your own self-limiting beliefs or the aspects of yourself that are still wanting to hold you back or say you can't, um, you know, really live up to these ideals that you have. And it's the constant kind of swinging between the yes, I can and sometimes no, I can't. And I think that the bear has really started to take on to this sense of empowerment and potential and um, instinctual fierceness that one really needs to, to live in the world in a way that's authentic and deep. And then a couple of months later, I had that second dream about the bear being at the top of the mountain. And then I saw the the, the merging of the two symbols. I had the wolves from the first dream, the bear from the second dream, and here they were together. And that's how you see that over something like eight months that there was a series and a kind of commentary going on in the dreams, utilizing these symbols. Mm. And do you, it sounds like a, like you said, they come together and it's also taking place at the top of a mountain, right? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it's this almost like a culmination. Did that feel connected to what was happening in waking life that two maybe forces were reaching a culmination at that time or was it not so direct? I 
I think it's, there's definitely a feeling of these things converging, but that there is still a, uh, not that it happened prematurely, but almost the feeling in the dream was that I could see the summit and there was still a ways to go. And then this happened. And so there was still a feeling of a lot of development and adventuring and much of the journey that was left undone. Yet there was a convergence of these aspects happening. And at this time of having these dreams, um, especially that last one where, where the images came together is where I think a lot of that energy was starting to really intertwine in my life. And there was certain boundaries that I was continuing to push into that felt both deeply, um, powerful, full of potential and opportunity. It also a lot of that sense of unknown and insecurity and uncertainty. And I think the dream sort of was picturing back to me that feeling that there is still much of this development that is in flux and happening for me because that that end goal of being at the top of the mountain was was cut off by the the interaction of of the bear coming onto the trail. Mm. I'm thinking about how in the, the, the word hide, mm-hmm. you know, that, that in the second yeah. dream, there's a removing of the hide and talking about boundaries and yes, I can, and mm-hmm. no, I can't, and sort of stepping into something. Yeah. And, and then in the third dream, the bear has its hide again, Yes, you know, that there's like an ongoing process there. Yes. Um, I, I wanted to add this in because um, I actually have not dreamt of the bear since that last dream, which was in September of 2020. And last night, um, you know, I, I, I feel like, I don't know if you experience this, but my dreams and the potency of the imagery can really fluctuate at times where I feel, oh, I'm getting so many dreams at night or the imagery just comes through in such a striking manner or it wakes me up. And then I might go through these periods of, it feels like there's a quietness and then the dreams are so subtle that I don't grasp them as I wake up. And last night I dreamt of the bear and it's been, oh, wow. it's been months since that's happened, but the dream itself feels incredibly elusive. I was once again walking on a trail with someone, another individual, except this time just two people. And there was a sound of a bear right around the corner of the trail, like right around this bend. And I start to feel that sense of fear and apprehension. And the person I'm with tells me not to run, but to be calm. And I don't see the bear in the dream, but I start to kind of feel myself calm down. And I'm starting to listen to kind of the sounds that are happening around me. Like I can hear the rustling, like the big kind of heavy uh, uh, paw prints kind of crushing into leaves and things like I can feel the presence of the bear. And already that seemed to like strike that sense of uncertainty in me, but there was this figure, this other person with me who is trying to bring some calm and then the the dream cuts off that's all I have Mm. and so I'm like oh I wish it was one of those nights where the dream kept going and it was more potent but that's good enough for me I'm like I'm writing that down and I'm recognizing that there's been another development in the series so very interesting to have that happen before our um, call today yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Cause I knew that we were going to maybe talk about dream series. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. And I, I imagine I'll tell you in a moment, but I had a dream that felt like a series and I thought, oh, I should tell Alyssa about this that <laughs> happened last night. But um, I just want to say, I think it's so cool that the bear, like there's been this maybe waiting for the bear to come back for months. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, okay, the hint of the bear approaching. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and still that navigation between, am I scared or not scared? Yes. Or yes. can I stay calm or can the bear come in? Like in my imagined version of all of this, you know, it fits right into the narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. They are coming and going. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of look at the contrast between the last time this dream happened, which was like, I ran, I ran into the trees mm-hmm. and I was jumping all around like, but this, there's been a little bit of a shift in the relationship towards this symbol. I still feel a sense of uncertainty and apprehension, a bit of fear, but I didn't run this time. And that's an important thing to note. The slow kind yeah. of evolution and development of the dream series is showing that the relationship in, in the psyche is adjusting and different things are being integrated and moved around. 
And there's only two people this time yes. where the last couple of dreams, there's a whole group, mm-hmm. right? Like yes. it's more, there's more consciousnesses, mm. but here it's, we're, we're kind of honing in maybe. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'm projecting on your dream, obviously take it or leave it, but. No, it's a very good point. And I, I, that shift between being amongst a group to just two individuals is an important evolution in the dream series as well. And trying to work then to figure out what the interpretation of that figure was with me is a new element that um, brings some uh, potential and insight for my dream work. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the companion now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, the dream that I was referring to is also myself and one other person. And the reason I thought, oh, maybe I had this little series partly in connection with anticipating talking to you is that it was two nights in a row. So a lot of times like you, I'll have dreams that um, are months apart. I'll say, oh, this is continuing the story of that one long ago that also had a maroon colored key. Like nothing else is the same about the dream, but there's an object that sort of flags it back. But so two nights ago, I dreamt that I'm hiding a box in the room of requirement at Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. And I recently shared on the podcast, another Harry Potter related dream. And I'm in the midst of the books with my kids right now. So it's very present. So in this stream two nights ago, I'm hiding a box in the room of requirement and there's someone with me. And this other person is trying to see where I hid the first box and decide where we'll hide the second box so that maybe we can come back for them. But I'm feeling like, no, we're supposed to hide them where not even we can ever find them again. And then um, someone comes into the room and we run. So when I woke from that dream, one of my first thoughts was, well, um, sorry for the spoiler if anybody still has not concluded the Harry Potter series, but uh, my thought was, oh, well, everything in that room is going to get destroyed by fiend fire soon enough. Mm. So we won't, we will never go back and find what's in those boxes. And then last night I'm in a field with another person and we're hiding and the people who are chasing us and their bloodhound Um, which is not a word I would really think of in waking life, but they have a bloodhound. They find us. And when they run over to us, they start throwing um, matches into this dry field. And I'm thinking, are you crazy? This is, the whole thing is going to go up and it could start a whole wildfire, a whole forest fire. The whole town could be burned down, but you know, at least, I guess at least um, maybe help will find us because now there's a fire to call some attention. So it was after waking and riding down the stream and driving to work and a lot of time going by before I kind of thought back on it again and realized, oh, it's me and another person again and hiding Mm. and everything going up in flames, like in an out of control kind of way, like the fiend fire and this wildfire in the dry field. Mm. So Mm. I think they go together. (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they're bringing me really yet, but yeah. Yeah. No, it's there's a very uh, similar tone to the the dynamics of a dreams that you're talking about, and uh, both that kind of the cleansing or the purifying destructive force of the fire. I, I find that such an interesting symbol because it it can both encapsulate that kind of that tension of opposites, where like the primordial fire is both destruction and chaos, but also uh, rebirth and potential Mm. kind of reminds me also of like the classic flood myths as well, where like this kind of natural force comes in and cleanses the area and kind of restarts a a life cycle and fire um, in that same way, elementally on that grand scale um, can have that effect. And so I don't know if that feels at all resonant or interesting, or if, if it merely is kind of bringing that sense of, of destructive force to it, you know, everything will be cleared or nothing will be found or the, the field will be destroyed. But even then there kind of has to be like a burning of the forest or a clearing of the space so that things can be replanted. And, and that's just sort of what comes to mind in an interesting way of, is there that kind of a whispering or potentials of, of new growth that comes from things being cleared out by this destructive force. Yeah, definitely. That resonates. I love that. I had Mm. not gone ahead to the rebirth idea, (laughs) but Mm. that sense of it being primordial because both fiend fire and this fire in the dry field is like 
very obviously going to be out of control really quickly and really destructive, but that it would like, there's something beautiful about it, destroying the old and destroying what was hidden long Mm -hmm. ago and like being able to, to let those things go. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think sometimes when we do this psychological work and personal growth, it's like, there's a lot of wanting to uncover the hidden maybe and work with the shadow. Mm -hmm. But I also think there's times Mm -hmm. when we, you know, let the past go. Yeah. You know, and, and so that, I really like that um, view of the fire coming in and it's scary also dangerous, but can be, can be purifying and can clear the way. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. To that point, I think there can be kind of acknowledgement of these dynamics that we hold and, you know, the, the, the rooms of the psyche that we've locked away and we can turn towards them and understand them or acknowledge them without pulling it apart and, you know, working through it and overworking it, even you might say, and just Mm -hmm. allowing that kind of higher primordial dynamic to kind of come in and cleanse. Cause I think on those deeper levels of the psyche, that which we are not conscious of, there is ways which those are being understood and integrated and conscious waking ego does not need to know every detail or pull it all apart or come to an exact relationship with it. Sometimes there's a a deeper tide that's moving these things and a feeling that movement can happen. Understanding is happening, but um, maybe us in our more waking state um, aren't going through that entire process of really overworking that old material. Mm, Yeah. Nice. I, in, in Chinese medicine, we associate the fire element with consciousness and spirit mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. spiritual connection and kind of the, the light of awareness. Okay. So I think that just struck a chord, what you said about, you know, this the sort of the small self ego, my little candle flame doesn't necessarily need to <laughs> illuminate every little corner of the room requirement and see inside the box right. and everything, but mm-hmm. the big fire, the big awareness, the big connection and spirit can sort of see it all and transform mm. it all. Yeah, absolutely. I think there is a feeling, especially as you tune into dreams, that there are bigger things going on in the down the whole sphere of the of our psyche that we'll never fully understand. There's so much mystery. We can only just sort of peer under the waters and see if we can get a glimpse and see if, you know, our conscious little flame of awareness can bring some support to that, come into relationship with it, but allowing some of that mystery and dynamism to keep doing what it does, sort of how we allow the body and its biological instincts to to naturally flow. We don't try to understand, you know, why we grow or why we heal the way that we do. It's, there's a trust almost and a faith that our bodies are, are working and moving and healing and integrating. And I think that that's an approach I also take to the life of the psyche as well, that there are these greater uh, narratives and images and tides and movements that are happening and the dream is a glimpse into it, but I, I won't ever have full understanding and, and I'm okay with that mystery. Hmm. Yeah, that's really beautifully said. Do you feel like your approach to dreams then is kind of both that they're letting you glimpse for a moment, the bigger story going on, and also do they give you some sort of promptings about, I don't know, new insights or new inspirations or things you might want to change, like things that you want to take action on, I guess, and not just sort of witness the mystery unfold? Yes, absolutely. Um, my my approach with dream work is to hold many perspectives and allow that kind of natural. I wouldn't even call it duality because there's so it's like multiplicity really of all these different dynamics that are going on. So it can be both this kind of picturing of what's happening under the surface. It can be a picturing of ways in which I can take action, um, ways in which I might tap into deeper insights and. I get. I guess if I had to really sort of sum it into to one piece, I do think that dreams have purpose, and that they provide us with so much depth of material to gain insight into, and they work as uh, sort of compensations for conscious attitudes. 
they kind of give us a sense of where things are moving towards in that almost progressive way as things are sort of being imaged in the psyche of not necessarily potential futures, but the outpicturing of, of what's really kind of coming up just really depending on what's happening inside of you. And so in all of these ways, there's these, these insights that can be gleaned from the dream space. And I look towards my dreams, both for insights and calls to action, but also just to maybe get that bit of a glimpse into what's happening under the surface. And I think some of the interesting dreams that I've had that have really highlighted a quite obvious suggestion or kind of compensation towards a conscious attitude. Um, I think most recently um, it's come up as I've been studying a little bit deeper into some other subject matters in my work, um, deepening my understanding around uh, Jungian personality typology, which is something I've been interested in for quite a long time, but have really taken a more nuanced relationship to. And I had this dream, gosh, it was only a couple of weeks ago, actually, where I was looking through a book, um, actually it was Carl Jung's uh, Collective Works number six, Psychological Types. And, and I was looking through the definitions in the back on a particular um, cognitive function. And then I read it in the dream. And then there was a sense that I wasn't fully understanding it. And I had this kind of intuition, you might even say in the dream itself that I needed to return back to it. And I kind of woke up from that dream feeling the sense of energy and curiosity about what it is that might be formulating around this topic that I've been studying for a bit and that maybe I've been scratching certain levels of understanding, but that there's more depth and more insight for me to get. And so I've been really, really diving in and kind of drawing in some new sources and it's provided uh, quite an expansive uh, environment for me because I've really kind of opened up to some some more depth uh, in relation to this topic. So in that way, sometimes my dreams feel like very direct commentary about what's going on in my life mm-hmm. that really picture something a little bit differently. And I guess another example is I was making a class on... Um, on a couple of different subject matters. And I was kind of struggling with it, sort of feeling a little stuck. And I had this dream where I was kind of semi-teaching this class, but suddenly got this insight in the dream between really allowing two sort of different topics to come together in a blending of the two. And I had sort of been struggling in conscious life about whether to kind of go this way with the class or or whether to go that way. And the dream just sort of opened up this potential of blending the two together in a way I had not considered. And I kind of woke up and I was like, all right, time to get to work. Like I know what Mm -hmm. I want to do. That's so that, great. Yeah, that does happen for me. And and I've not always, but I really appreciate when it does. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. And especially, I, was it a class related kind of to dreams and psychology and this sort of? Yeah, all material? this kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> got, you got some inside, yeah. inside information and help from the <laughs> from the dream weaving. Yeah, that's very cool. I I would say I I see it dreams as um, communicating with us on all those levels and in all those ways too. I think in a lot of ways, it's a state of consciousness where we can tap into or receive all sorts of things that we don't when we're awake. And so that is going to be stuff like new ways to arrange a class or Mm -hmm. a prompt to go deeper on something or a glimpse to the sort of mythical unfolding Yes. of our entire lives or the precognitive dreams. Mm-hmm. Like lo- I think lots of things come in through our dreaming consciousness. And even without us realizing, I think for those of us who maybe feel like we don't recall our dreams or we don't um, have as much of a relationship to interpreting them, even if we're not uh, taking that dream material into waking life and trying to understand it more and integrate it, it's happening without us being as much of a conscious player. I truly do believe that it is part of our psychic equilibrium and development uh, for dreams to continue to do what they do. And 
what becomes most compelling is when you do start to take a more conscious uh, relationship to it and you start to actually see those things at play and you can lean into it a little bit more or utilize it uh, a bit deeper. But even for those of us who who may not have that um, interpretive relationship with it, you can probably recall different dreams that have been around in your life. And if you take that analyzing eye and start to look at the symbols or why you had a certain dream that repeated itself for this period of time, you realize all of those dynamics are happening, whether we realize it or not. And kind of taking this more open, receptive stance to our dreams, taking it into conscious reality, having your dream journal interpreting just creates a lot more aliveness between the conscious and unconscious space. Yes, I completely agree. I, they're, they're serving our health and healing and connection, mm-hmm. whether we remember them or not. And it's sort of, yeah. it's something some people are drawn to do to engage deeply with their dreams and others aren't. And either way, mm-hmm is fine. You could certainly have a deep and fulfilling life without engaging your dreams, but it's, mm-hmm. um, it's one of the richest ways I've ever come across to get more connected with the unconscious and with what's unseen. I just heard, I don't know if you tuned into the Young Platform Stream Summit this weekend, but yes, yes, it was great. I caught a couple of them. It was great. <laughs> and Mahil's um, talk, he was the host, but he also did one of the interviews and he said that he, he described this dream he had when he was wondering about dream incubation and the image basically conveyed, I won't tell his whole dream, but conveyed like, you can figure it out on your own. That's perfectly fine. But there Mm -hmm. is this willing and able benevolent presence, very happy to help you if you ask for help. Yes. And I thought that was a lovely image for dreams. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm so interested in that sense of dream incubation and the kind of cultivation of like a conscious intention before dreaming and how that can implant this sort of intention deep into the unconscious. And does it respond back to you? Um, doesn't always happen for me, but it's something that I've certainly experimented a lot with or felt like it's happened when I haven't asked for it, that kind of nurturing of what might be explored in your dreams the night before. And I think that that's an interesting way to approach things as well is to kind of call out into the unconscious and see if anything kind of echoes back to you. And when it does happen, it's, it's really quite compelling. Oh yeah. I've had some profound dreams that have come in response to incubations, those big dreams, you know, that I'm still sitting with years later Yes, that are still, still revealing themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm, definitely. Well, thank you, Alyssa. This has been a really fun conversation. If anybody wants to find you, your podcast, um, your one-on-one work, where can they find you online? Sure. Yeah. Um, my website, alyssapoliti.com is a great hub for the work that I do with clients. Um, my podcast and community work is at goldenshadow.org. That's the website, www.goldenshadow.org. And we explore different realms of the dreamscape in our podcast, but also other areas of psychology and self-work. Um, and would love to connect with anyone who's got questions about dreams. Okay, great. I will link to your site and to the Golden Shadow site. Thank you. Yeah, thank you again for talking with me. Yes, it was such a pleasure. Take care. Thank you for listening. I'd love to hear your questions or reflections on anything that came up in this conversation. And I always enjoy hearing what you'd like to learn more about. So leave a comment on the show notes at thedreamersden.org slash 21. That's thedreamersden.org slash 21 or in the Dreamers Den free Facebook group. I'll talk to you again on the new moon. Until then, wishing you deep dreams.